Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante along with Dustin Hawkinsmith, and this is quarter number one of our show. Brought to you by our friends at Collegiate Athletic Travel. And Dustin, you and I know firsthand what a great operation they are. You and I went along with their trip to Auburn. Well, guess what? They now have a trip to the Rose Bowl. If you want to see your Nittany Lions live and in person, get that Rose Bowl off your bucket list. This is the way to do it with collegiate athletic travel. You don't have to worry about any of those issues, traveling and where to stay and the Rose Bowl parade and all that. They've got it covered for you. They take care of everything, and they do it first class. If you want more information, simply go to athletictravel.com, or you can call them directly at 814-238-4900. Eight seven, And also, I know we've got plenty of listeners out in the West Coast who would probably drive to the game. They also have land packages for you there. I know, Dustin, you and I had a great time when we oh, went yeah. with them to Auburn. I'm sure it's going to be the same way for the Rose Bowl. Yeah, and I'll make the, I make this argument a lot. It's like the, the less I have to think and the less I have to plan, I can just focus on the best parts of the trip. And so that is is exactly what you get through doing this is that they do all the planning, all the logistics, all the stuff that makes you not want to travel. You don't have to worry about that stuff. And I, to me, it's just like as, as a real path of least resistance guy, uh, there could be nothing better than that. And I think the other thing is, you know, I don't know what the, what the plans are going to be, but like I think a lot of people who went on the trip to Auburn really got a kick out of staying at the team hotel and just seeing players and stuff milling around. And I think um, – you know, you can meet some new people who all obviously have that same shared interest. So I'm sure there are some success stories from that Auburn trip as well. So there's a lot of really good things about having having a professional company do your trip planning for you. It was a lot of fun. We did meet a lot of great folks on the trip. I'm sure it'll be the same way for this trip. Again, go to athletictravel.com for more information. All right, Dustin, we had finally the national playoff picture is in place. We have a the four teams that qualify. Don't worry, we'll get to the Penn State Utah Rose Bowl. But first, let me ask you about the playoffs. Did the committee get it right with their four? I th- I think they did, and I I think it was good to see them not punish TCU for playing that extra game. You know, and I and I think that's an important part of the process. Is if you're going to value teams getting to your conference championship. If you're going to value teams winning the conference championship, you you don't really have the same right to punish them for losing their conference championship. So TCU's body of work, I think, speaks for itself outside of that um, that loss to Kansas State. Uh, Ohio State getting in, I, I don't know who the, who the alternative was. I, I think Ohio State, uh, th- their resume was fine. They lost one game. Uh, so that usually is, is grounds for getting in. I didn't want to see a two-loss Alabama get in when their resume wasn't better than Ohio State's. Um, so I, I think I think they got it right in the end. I think Ohio State is capable of making some noise. They've just got a tall task ahead of them in that semifinal round. They they really do with Georgia, but 
I think they got it right also. But could we let Salty Jim make an appearance here, Dusty? I welcome him with open arms. Like, I, I want... <laughs> I want Salty Jim to overtake Day to Day Jim so badly, like uh, like the Venom character. Uh, I, I want that, I want Salty Jim to consume you. All right, well, here it goes. One of my pet peeves in life, and we texted back and forth over the weekend, and I put out to you: college football, best sport on the planet. It's fantastic. I loved it all weekend. One of my least favorite things is listening to the committee answer questions. Okay. Oh, it's awful. The yeah. next time you get an open, honest, candid answer from them will be the first. Let me read to you word for word an answer to a question on how close things were between Ohio State and Alabama at number four and five. Here's the answer, and I quote. Yeah, we're looking at everything throughout the entire year, and from a scale standpoint or percentage standpoint, we don't look at it that way. We want to make sure as a group we've talked through everything, that the voices in the room have been heard, and then use our football judgment from that point forward to make sure that we're making the right decisions. Awful. Like a, like a bad PR guy. Like a bad PR person answering that question. A bad politician. You know, just totally Here's- dancing around. And this is... Yeah, I have a bigger problem with the regular season playoff rankings and them answering questions then because they can say even less. This is final now. They don't have to worry about sending the wrong message or indicating that the fifth or the sixth team has a chance to do this. They don't have to they don't have to be so politically correct. These are it. You don't have to worry about anything else. Just answer the question. That's awful. Can can I give you what the proper answer should have been? Can I do yes. that, Dusty? If I were there, here's the answer. If you lose one game versus the other team losing two, you're in. We set that precedent in 2016 when Penn State beat Ohio State head-to-head and went on to win the conference championship game. But Ohio State had one loss versus Penn State's two losses. The fact is 95% of our work is done going in. If you're undefeated or a one-loss conference champion from a Power 5, you're in. Two losses, and you're out. Tiebreakers among one-loss teams goes this way, selected in this order. First, if you're from the Southeast Conference. Second, if you're from the Big Ten. Third, if you're Clemson. And then the rest of the guys. The reality is we stay at a nice hotel, get nice meals, and watch a lot of football games. And that's about it. There my you go, favorite, Dustin. My favorite part of that is that you wrote a statement. You wrote a statement out to counter the original statement. And I, I think that's just good. That's just dedication right there. And really, like, I, I think the fact of the matter is you could have stopped after that first sentence. One <laughs> loss versus two losses. If, you have a, if you're a two-loss team, number one, those two losses better have come to playoff teams. And number two, they better have been close. And then you better have had three or four impressive wins along the way. But nobody really plays such a strong schedule that they can get away with two losses. Um, So that has been the only common thread through the entire playoff situation. And it's not that I disagree with it, but like just be be honest about that. The number of losses matters. It does. And it's it's the number one tie-breaking factor. You know, the, Alabama and Ohio State probably mathematically have the same chance against Georgia 
you know, comparatively to each other. But you know what? It doesn't matter. It's, the, it's about the resume, and Ohio State lost once. That's it. That's the end of the story. And Nick Saban lobbied for his team. And you know what? It, by using, interestingly enough, what, you know, who would be favored? And you know what, Nick? You might be right. But I'll bet you you were favored against those two teams you lost to also. And you lost. Win those games, Nick, and you're in. That's the and, story. Uh, and, you know, or, or um, you know, beat decisively Texas or Texas A&M. I mean, you can't limp through, you know, the, the, the resume builder games like the Texas game and, and expect that to count for something. You know, you couple those things together, two losses and, and not all that impressive wins, and that's where you are. And by the way, in your conference, don't be dodging Georgia. I think the last time they played Georgia in the regular season was about – in the 1980s or so, you know. So the only really other good team in the Southeast Conference you didn't have to play. So I don't want to hear it from Nick Saban. My other question on the uh, Final Four, I, I think going into the weekend or going into Sunday, what, the only thing in question wasn't the four teams, but it was where they would put um, Ohio State and TCU. And the biggest difference is, would you draw Georgia or would you draw Michigan? And I didn't know whether or not the committee wanted to create that Ohio State-Michigan rematch or not. But just let me give you the committee leader's answer when he was asked about that. Do you know what his answer was, Dusty? It was not talked about in the room. That's right, Dusty. That never came up. Nobody, what are there, 13 people on this committee? Not one of them said, hey, you know what? If we put Ohio State third, it's a rematch with Michigan. Not one person there took note of that, Dusty. That is a real attorney-type statement because maybe they went into a different room. It wasn't that room. We talked about it in the hallway. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like saying talked about in the room is not a lie if they had that conversation someplace else. And like I wouldn't be surprised at all if it was like, oh, no, we texted about it. That's it. They talked about Dustin, it. You know what I mean? Like they, it's, they, it's not a lie if you believe it. Thank you, George Costanza. It's not a lie if you believe it. And, and I think they do believe it. Like clearly they talked about this. And – Clearly, it was something. I mean, you have to think about the marketability of your product in the end, and that has to be some kind of consideration or some kind of factor in this one. I do think that it was right to put Ohio State fourth, not because you want to avoid an Ohio State-Michigan rematch. I think a lot of people wouldn't have minded that in the first round at all. Who cares that they played already? You have a true blue rivalry game in the semifinals. You're just not going to get that rematch, I, I, I don't think. You know, I don't think you're going to see both of those teams win. I don't think so either because I just think Georgia is the best team in the country. But I'll tell you what, I'm anxious to see Georgia play Ohio State. And I, I know Georgia's favored, but w- would you be shocked if Ohio State won that game? No, I mean, anytime you have the athletes that they have, uh, it gives you a chance against anybody. But I think what was exposed by Michigan and probably to a lesser extent by Penn State, you know, like how how physical and how tough are they in the trenches? 
Uh, how good is the is the coaching in game? You know, I thought Ryan Day got out coached by Jim Harbaugh. Are they ready for the constant punches in the mouth that Georgia will throw at them? And then I'm not really sure that their secondary is is anywhere close to the best that they've had. So you have Georgia who's equipped to beat them any which way that they want, and I think they're going to own the the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. It's it's going to be it's going to be a long road for Ohio State. But anytime you can unleash Marvin Harrison Jr. and you've got you know Heisman contender a quarterback and you've got a bunch of five stars everywhere, yeah, I mean you have you have a chance. But you can't win if you don't win at the point of attack or you get buried at the point of attack. And that might happen here. Yes, it very well could. And we saw with Georgia's win over LSU, they're not just all defense. That offense was able to put up a lot of points, Dustin. All right, that is it for quarter number one. Quarter number two, we're going to start looking at your Nittany Lions. You want to stay tuned for that. The Nittany Lions are headed to Pasadena for the Rose Bowl and you can join them. Collegiate Athletic Travel is offering a three-night charter air package flying from Harrisburg. Hotel accommodation at Lowe's Hollywood Hotel. Pep rally transfers. Rose Bowl parade tickets and transfer. Here's your chance to attend the Rose Bowl and let Collegiate Athletic Travel do all the work. Go to athletictravel.com or call 814-238-4987. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number two. I'm Jim Galante along with Dustin Hawkinsmith. Dusty, in quarter number one, we were talking about the national picture and what that looked like. I want to get more specific and start talking about Penn State. But my first question kind of relates to the national picture. Looking at it now, and I know you don't know if things would have changed otherwise, but if Penn State had held on and beaten Ohio State, would they be that number four team in the playoffs? I I think so. 
I, I don't I don't know. I can't even remember what they were ranked when they played Ohio State. But what would have happened was they would have gotten a huge jolt in the rankings. Um, and then they would have won four additional games in a row after that. So Penn State probably would have felt kind of like a no-brainer in this situation, uh, given all that happened, you know, conference championship weekend. I think they would have been in the exact same position as Ohio State, the second best team from the Big Ten with one loss. The one loss happened weeks ago, and uh, you know their only loss would have been to Michigan by roughly the same points, uh, point spread. So yeah, I th- I think they would have been. I just I can't account for. You know, like when you put the two brands together, Ohio State versus Alabama, they're comparable enough. Nobody really has Alabama's brand quite, but Penn, you put Penn State's brand against Alabama in that consideration, what what would that brand discrepancy have done to the committee's thinking? Um, they, they would tell you in some vanilla, ridiculous statement that they don't consider those things, or they don't talk about it in the room, but... That, that would be some degree of consideration, even if, if it's subconscious. You know, they're going to think that Alabama will fare better. It sounds like a no-brainer that Penn State's resume would essentially match Ohio State's resume. But I still wonder, you know, yeah. if you go by my statement that I made earlier in the show, definitely it would have had to be Penn State with the one loss versus two. But... Um, I, I, I want, really do wonder what would have happened. And the other point being, that makes for Penn State fans, I don't think pe- many people think about how close they would have been to the playoffs. It's hard. You can't really put yourself in those shoes at this point. But an 11-1 team that got a signature win, that closed the year on a five-game winning streak, that killed everybody that they were supposed to kill uh, on their schedule, the resume would have would have suggested it. Uh, and I, I was trying to get your attention because I just had an idea that's neither here nor there. But I think every show that we do from now on needs a statement from Commissioner Jim. And Commissioner Jim is 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 a little bit more um, political than Salty Jim is. Okay. So we'll, we'll have, that will have to be a segment along with uh, What Grinds My Gears, Salty Jim, and Commissioner Jim. Commissioner Jim. Jim. Yep. You've, you won the job today right. with, your, with your performance. Thank you very much. I accept the offer. <laughs> and <laughs> Dustin, we will... We will exercise that option. All right, let's talk Penn State. Penn State Rose Bowl. Which way, which team are you on, Dustin? Is it Penn State? Great season, 10 wins, New Year's Six Bowl, Rose Bowl. Or is it, you know what? They still didn't beat anybody. Their two losses were a lopsided loss to Michigan and a blown lead in the fourth quarter against Ohio State. Boy, we've never heard that before. Which side are you on? I'm more on the side of the first thing, especially given the context of it. In three years, you're going to be looking at Penn State's media guide, and it's going to say 10-2, and two, it's going to say Rose Bowl, and, that, and you're, going to, you're going to kind of forget some of the nuance and some of the context of it. Some of the fact that like it does feel like they kind of went down with a whimper again against the teams that, that everybody wants them to be contenders against. Everybody wants James Franklin to compete and beat uh, Jim Harbaugh, Michigan, Ryan Day, and Ohio State, and they haven't done it in a long time. So I understand that level of thinking. I just feel like 
you know, number one, Penn State hasn't done this very often where they run the table against every single team that they should beat. Or they, they have some kind of stumble or they don't play well. There were a couple of those games early with uh, Central Michigan and Northwestern specifically. But otherwise, you know, Penn State showed up. They did their jobs. They won without their A game when they needed to. And, and they won 10 games. And you can't, you know, you just can't assume 10 wins for anybody. You can't assume if you're Clemson, you're going to get 10 wins. There's not, you know, there aren't many teams out there that you can just take double-digit victories to the bank. So I, I just I just don't think you can ever write off winning 10 games because that means 10 out of 12 times you did what you were supposed to do. And Penn State has always had some kind of lapse along the way. That lapse has happened, you know, uh, several times to Michigan State. They took care of Michigan State. You know, the, you, you have sleepy kickoffs. You have rebounding emotionally from things. You had the road trips to Auburn, the road trips to Purdue, the Big Ten West champion, Purdue Boilermakers, Jim, and you took care of that in week one. I think they did some good things. It's just in, in, in the context of where Penn State is and where Penn State wants to go, they also just didn't get closer to that, to that ultimate end goal uh, through, throughout this season. So I get looking at this kind of glass half empty, but I do see it, especially, again, you want 11 games combined in 2020 and 2021. Enjoy the 10 victories that your team had, especially if they are able to get number 11 and end the game, end the season with a, with a Rose Bowl win. And here's the other point, Dustin, about winning the games you're supposed to. If you want to say Penn State um, should beat those 10 teams and they were underdogs against the two that they lost to, winning against the teams you're supposed to, someone might say, oh, that's meaningless because they were favored every game. But you know what? If your odds of winning all 10 of those games, it's like 75, 80% each one of those games, odds are actually you will lose one or two of those games. And the fact is, if you take it for granted winning against the teams you're supposed to, go talk to Tennessee and Alabama and Clemson and USC and have that same discussion because they did not win all the games that they were supposed to, Dustin. Yeah, and 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 that's the that's the thing about football. That's the thing about college football is that week to week, you know, you're going to have to box Southpaw sometimes. Your quarterback's not going to be in it. You're going to have a key guy leave or get ejected. You're going to have all these different things or the weather's bad or whatever. You know, your consistency is put to the test. And I think it's the, the the big thing that I think Penn State proved to me this year that they hadn't proven, even in successful seasons necessarily, is that they showed up consistently. The same defense that showed up uh, every single week showed up again and again and again. You know, I think I think the offense was more or less gave, gave you a reason to be optimistic. You know, you think about the progress that was made in terms of the run game, the offensive line. You know, I think not, nothing was perfect, but... The last two years of offense just was hard to watch. And this this version of the offense wasn't that bad to watch either. So there's there's so many good things to, to take away if you want to. Uh, but I, I, I totally get, you know, where you want Penn State to be. You don't feel like they're any closer to it now. 
I think that that's that's true too. But I also think. You know, I think the staff that's in place, if that stays in place, I think the defense that's in place will will travel from one season to the next. The recruiting is is back at a higher level. The 2023 roster looks like it can be really, really good. You've got a five-star quarterback. I think you're going to do some good things in the transfer portal. I, I think there's collectively far more good things to say than bad things to say about the program as it stands right now. And mentioning the quarterback, Dustin, I'm going to talk out of both sides of my mouth on this one with Clifford versus Aller. Early in the year, and even after they lost a game or two, a lot of folks argued about having Drew Aller uh, in the game. And we talked about our trip to Auburn. Remember we had one of the guys come up and ask a question while we were down there, and his comment was he'd rather lose six games with Aller than win 10 games with Clifford, which I thought was very short-sighted. But I mentioned if there's even one more loss you have this season because you have the inexperienced freshman quarterback and you go 9-3 and three versus 10-2, and two, that's reason enough to start Sean Clifford so that you can be a 10-2 and two team with double digits, be in this conversation about being in the top 10, even though they dropped three spots to number 11. And you have, you're a New Year's Six Bowl team, okay? That means something both to the players and the fans, or it should. Now, I'll talk the other way, which is this. The difference in watching that Penn State-Ohio State game was Ohio State had the better quarterback. Yeah. On the rest of the field, the rest of the players, I thought Penn State matched up very well. And hopefully that will be the difference that Drew Aller will grow into that type of quarterback, Dusty. And I think that's an interesting way to put it as you look back over, you know, recent history since 2016. In these big primetime games, how often has Penn State had the better quarterback? It's never against Ohio State, you know, and and I think that so I think that's the hope that Drew Aller represents is that. Um, you can have games where not everything go- goes right or whatever, but you've got a quarterback who's capable of literally putting his team on his back when, when it's needed the most. And that's you've seen Ohio State's quarterbacks do that a bunch of times in, in this series with Penn State. Drew Allen looks like he's a guy who's, who's capable of that. Um, I also think, you know, I think they got him enough reps throughout the year. I think I would have liked to have seen some more. Um, some more meaningful game reps, not garbage time game reps. But, you know, I think he's got enough and he's seen enough to have a nice base to build off of, to have plenty of film and different looks and different things that opposing defenses were trying to do to him. Um, mistakes that he made with reads or coverages or pass protections. Like, he did enough things this year to be able to use it as a springboard in the next year. And I think that's what James Franklin's goal was. There's a fine line. Like, you start this kid for an extended period of time, and you think that the Penn State fans would still be clamoring to the same degree if Drew Aller goes 6-6 six and six as a starter and he completes 51 one percent of his passes or something you know i think that's the you you want it and then when you get it you you turns it you you wish you wouldn't have gotten it so i think you have to be kind of careful with that thinking i i think you do too because no matter how how impressive he has been and i think he has been impressive dusty is you still have a true freshman and you don't know what kind of mistakes are going to come with that I do suspect, though, that somewhere along the line, we would have seen those mistakes. I'm not sure where, 
and I think it's fair to suspect it might have cost this team a game, and they would have been nine and three instead of ten and two. I don't think that is all that far fetched. All right, Dusty, that's it for quarter number two. We got a whole lot more to get to. Stick around for quarter three. The Nittany Lions are headed to Pasadena for the Rose Bowl, and you can join them. Collegiate Athletic Travel is offering a three-night charter air package flying from Harrisburg. Hotel accommodation at Lowe's Hollywood Hotel. Pep Rally transfers. Rose Bowl Parade tickets and transfer. Here's your chance to attend the Rose Bowl and let Collegiate Athletic Travel do all the work. Go to athletictravel.com or call 814-238-4987. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante along with Dustin Hawkinsmith and it's quarter number three. Brought to you by our friends at Collegiate Athletic Travel. Don't forget, if you want to go to the Rose Bowl game, see Penn State take on Utah on January 2nd, check them out. This is a great way to travel. They take care of all your needs for you, the travel, the hotel, even getting to the Rose Bowl parade. You get tickets there. For more information, just go to athletictravel.com, or you could call them directly at 814-238-4987. All right, Dustin, let's continue this conversation I alluded to it a little bit. Penn State dropped from number 8 to number 11. And, you know, I get the justification. Teams, you know, Kansas State won their uh, conference championship game. Clemson won their conference championship game. Utah won theirs. All legitimate. You comfortable with that? I don't, you know, I think, like, did, did Clemson change its profile so much that they that they with the win over North Carolina, uh, the North Carolina team that kind of struggled down the stretch. Did that change who they are that much? 
I, I, it really, some of these felt like it was just justification of saying, look how much we value conference championship games. I don't think, I don't think you can really convince me that Clemson is a better team just because they beat North Carolina. It's like they had the opportunity, you know, to play an extra game. And it's almost like the opposite effect. Like, don't punish TCU for losing, but are you, you know, you, Penn State didn't get the opportunity to play a 13th game, so they can't match what Clemson did, too. So it's like, but, um, you know, Utah, big win. They have three losses. Kansas State, I mean, all three of those teams, I don't think just because they won conference championship games, now you can say that they're that they're better. It felt like the committee kind of went out of their way a little bit on this one. I don't have a huge beef with it or whatever because it's still kind of like uh, for Penn State, you were going to have to win your bowl game to finish the year in the top 10 anyway, right? So, and if you lost the bowl game, wherever that bowl game was going to be, you were probably falling out of the top 10, regardless of what these rankings say now. Uh, they're still going to the Rose Bowl. In the end, it doesn't mean a whole lot, but it just it felt a little odd to me, to be honest, about with, with Clemson and K-State. You know, I, good for them. They won, they won big games, but, uh, you know, it just felt like an, a little bit of an exaggeration. How do you feel about it? Well, the only part to it that I, I don't know how what to make of it, because a lot of those teams in that area, uh, and I'm reading off, you know, Tennessee, Utah, USC, Penn State, Clemson, Kansas State, Washington, um, and actually that I'm just rattling off the teams in that grouping. You, I'm not sure who's the better team, and it's really hard. You could nitpick going one on one. But the only issue is putting a three-loss team ahead of Penn State yeah. for the same reason that we said, you know, making the top four, you ranked the one-loss team ahead of the two-loss team. And as we found out from 2016, it doesn't matter if you won your conference championship game. Losing one is better than losing two. But yeah. if it's the difference between two and three losses, well... Then you can put the three-loss team ahead of the two-loss team. Why? Because they're conference championship game. Yeah. Huh. That smacks me as being a little contradictory. Well, here's what I'm thinking, and they might have talked not have talked about this in the room, but um, going forward, conference champions are going to be a big part of the expanded playoff. And to me, it's almost like acclimation to that thinking and valuing conference champions. I think you can make the case that they valued conference championships more this year than any other year. In this, in this context, winning the ACC title in a game that had no bearing on the four-team playoff, winning uh, the Big 12 title when you weren't going to be a playoff team, uh, I, think, I think the committee adapted that type of thinking you know, more so because of what the future holds than anything else. I think it's like get used to this thinking now because you're going to be seeing conference champs in the top 12. They're making the college football playoff. If Purdue would have beaten Michigan, they would have made the college football playoff in the future. So I think this is the committee really pivoting to some degree because of what the future playoff is going to look like. I get that. I still think it's an inconsistency, Dustin, but it, it is what it is. So <laughs> let's move forward. Let's talk about this Rose Bowl game against Utah. Um, I suspect you saw Utah play USC. Um, USC 
got the early lead, looked really good, Caleb Williams especially. I talked to more than one person, Dustin, who said they went to bed early because USC had the game in the bag. They weren't yeah. interested in seeing the rest. Caleb Williams got hurt. Utah dominated after that. But the fact is, Caleb Williams, healthy or hurt, he wasn't helping USC's defense, which just plain couldn't tackle. You know what? They gave up 47 points. And I think this is the thing that, you know, Utah, especially against USC, is that, you know, toughness and grit and desire are a little bit more constants in their program than they are in the USC program at this at this point in time. So when it comes to, like, getting knocked down a little bit, they're down, what, 17-3 uh, early in the second quarter. Uh, I, I think this is the type of team that's not phased by that. That's that's my impression of them. They're they're a pretty tough minded team, and uh, and and I think you know in the context of the Rose Bowl too, they're a tough minded team that's really going to value the opportunity to play in Pasadena because that didn't really become a real possibility until they walked off the field against USC. You know, this this is this is going to feel more like a blessing to you to Utah than it would have USC or or maybe even anybody else. And I think that makes them kind of a dangerous bowl team. Is that you know they are very team oriented. Like it's hard to look down their roster and look down their stats and pick out one guy or two guys that you got to stop, um, two guys to key on or whatever. They they get contributions from a lot of different players. And over the course of sixty minutes, that's that's something that that kind of shows up. And it showed up in this game against USC. They just they don't have a lot of quit in them. And so even when they took that first punch, they 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 were really ready to to kind of battle back. Um, I don't know if Utah is a great team necessarily. You know, you look at what they did. They they had USC's number, but then they went 0 for three in the three other tests that, that they had. All of them being on the road. So Oregon, UCLA, and I forget who else they lost to, but. Um, you know they they beat USC twice and good and good for them, but they they also kind of oh they were at Florida in week one, so um so yeah I, I don't know if they're if they're a great team necessarily, but they're going to be a good Rose Bowl opponent, which is evidenced by uh, the point spread early in this thing. Yeah, the point spread I saw from I think on DraftKings it was a pick 'em, at least that's what it was initially. I heard somewhere else Utah slight favorite. Let's face it, it's it's. Feels like a toss-up game is the way it's being looked at. So it's a great matchup. Now, you and I discussed this um, off-air. So many of these bowl games is about who wants it more. And you see that um, more often than not where the uh, team that comes in from, what, the group of five or group of six, whatever, the non-Power 5 team representative, which is Tulane. So Tulane's playing USC. And as you mentioned before, USC was this close to the playoffs. Now all of a sudden they're playing Tulane in Dallas, Texas, in the Cotton Bowl. I'm not sure anyone really cares about that game other than Tulane. And it's a one-point spread. USC is only favored by one point, which initially shocked me. But you had a good explanation for why it shouldn't be a surprise, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there is some respect for what Tulane is doing, but I do think that odds makers take into effect non-quantitative things just like that. How motivated is this USC team really going to be to be in Dallas 
against a group of five team instead of being uh, on, on a big stage playing for a national championship. You know, I think that absolutely factors into to that game here. And I think that's one thing, you know, you talked about the Rose Bowl even before Ohio State made the playoff field. They're talking about the Rose Bowl uh, passing over Ohio State to get Penn State there. And it's it's in some respects to get some fresh blood there. But I think, you know, to, to go with a team that is going to be excited to be there and isn't going to sleepwalk through it. So um, I, I think that's this Rose Bowl matchup is really good in that respect. Both of these teams are going to be pretty excited to be there and are going to really want to win this game. I, I think so, too, which leads me to let's talk about Penn State and their team going into this against Utah. Um, Joey Porter has already announced he's uh, you know, committed to the draft and he's going to skip the bowl game. I don't think that comes as a surprise to anybody. He's get, he's a guaranteed first-round draft pick. We know that. And if his priority is getting himself in shape and ready for the combine, where maybe he goes from the number 20 pick to the number 10, hey, more power to him. I get that. Do you think we're going to see any other Penn State players opt out of the bowl game? I mean, I... I would say never say never to that, but really the two contenders to have that line of thinking were Joey Porter Jr. and Olu Fashanu. And Olu's coming back for the 2023 season, and I don't think there's a lot of great reason if if he's okay health-wise to skip the bowl game. Who else would really be a contender to skip it? You know, that that's typically reserved for guys who know that there's a big contract ahead of them. And in terms of guys being draft eligible, you might have some guys who are juniors who leave, and maybe they do consider sitting out the bowl game. You saw um, Brandon Smith, for example, last year sit out the bowl game. Uh, Ellis Brooks sat out the bowl game. So I would I would never say never, but the fact that this is the Rose Bowl, the fact that it is a prime time game, it's it's a, a game with a proud tradition, uh, does kind of change things a little bit. And I don't think Penn State has any other guys who are going to flirt with a high draft pick enough that they're going to want to skip this. I do feel like Penn State's not going to have a lot of those guys. I'm ready to say that I'm wrong if that happens, but it just doesn't look like the formula between the game and the types of guys that Penn State has. I don't think outside of Joey Porter Jr. there's going to be any, but I, I don't think there's going to be many for sure. And I also believe that Fashtu kind of set the precedent a bit that this is a group looking forward to next year, wanting to be part of it, that they think there could be something special brewing. And I believe this has happened before where a bowl game can turn into that springboard for you going into the next season. So we'll see without Joey Porter, the other cornerback step up. Um, I'm like you. I think most of them will be there. All right, Dustin, that's it for quarter three. We're going to wrap things up in quarter number four. Stay tuned. The Nittany Lions are headed to Pasadena for the Rose Bowl, and you can join them. Collegiate Athletic Travel is offering a three-night charter air package flying from Harrisburg. Hotel accommodation at Lowe's Hollywood Hotel. Pep rally transfers. Rose Bowl parade tickets and transfer. Here's your chance to attend the Rose Bowl and let collegiate athletic travel do all the work. Go to athletictravel.com or call 814-238-4987. 
Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number four. I'm Jim Galante along with Dustin Hawkinsmith. Dustin. Throughout this weekend, I had one big question that kept coming up in my mind. What would this all look like if we had a 12-team playoff? And it gets very interesting, doesn't it? It it does. It does. And I think that was a really fun dynamic for me. And it's really fun to know what's coming down the pike and to be able to kind of fantasize about it, especially if you're one of the teams that's – between uh, number five and number 12 and thinking about what your team would do and who you would play and where you would play and your odds of, of, of making a run and all that kind of stuff. Like that's, that was a uh, really part of the fun for me. And, and, you know, you saw a bunch of different scenarios as like the, as the, as the big 10 championship game is going and Purdue's hanging with Michigan or taking a lead against Michigan, thinking about, Oh man, a 12 team playoff where the big 10 champ is Purdue. Like that, that was good stuff too. But the reality is the expanded playoff is coming and teams that, you know, have, have always been on the outside looking in, you know, Penn state is high on that list of teams always on the oh, just on the outside looking in uh, I think I think it was kind of it brought a little bit more excitement to to the playoff um, feel and the situation and I saw a bunch of people doing brackets and stuff of what it would look like and uh, I'm just really excited about that for the future I really am too but you know what and I'm looking at one of those brackets right now Dusty and I can already see where the controversy is going to be okay yep we got to understand what the rules are going to be. First of all, it's not the top four teams getting the bye, the top four ranked teams. It's the top four conference champions. Yeah. So when I took my first glance at this, and we'll talk about this 
later, Penn State being 11th, but they would play Ohio State, who was seeded 6th. And I'm thinking, how could they be 6th? Weren't they ranked 4th? Till I remember, conference champions. So your four teams that would get the bye this year would be Georgia, obviously number 1 undefeated conference champion. Michigan would be number 2 second-seeded conference champion. Guess who three and four is? Clemson and Utah. I don't think anybody is saying they are the third or fourth best team in the country. Yeah, and that's that's going to be something that, you know, some years it's going to be more glaring than, than others. You know, when you have teams that Clemson's, what, number nine in, in the straight-up rankings, Utah um, is number eight or vice versa, um, you know, you are going to have that. But it's, it's going to be one of the foundational things to this committee is, is establishing that conference champs. And I, and I don't disagree with it. Um, you're going to have some seating that's going to feel out of whack. But the reality is every team in America had equal opportunity to win their conference championship game. And the, and the committee laid it out there that that is what matters. And so you're, everybody's going to have to abide by that. It's going to feel a little weird to have uh, you know the third best team in the country, in this case TCU, not get a bye. But that's just the reality. They, had, they were in their conference championship game and they missed the opportunity to win it. I don't love I don't love that necessarily, but you have to have some kind of structural foundational element to how you're building this playoff bracket, and at least it's something. Um, so yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be kind of wild in, in in some respects, and I think um, you know in the in the end, like I want to believe that a 12 team playoff, like seating aside, um, is gonna bring that winner go home element that can really throw a wrench into things. Like obviously college football's big challenge is having in any given year one, two, three teams or whatever that are far superior to everybody else. So like this year, it you look at it on paper and you think nobody can play with Georgia. I don't care who it is. So now you're going to make them play extra games. What different if you're the number 9 team, you're going to get a shot at Georgia? And I think you know, a lot of times that's going to be true, but other times, I mean, you're going to throw a whole different level of pressure and atmosphere into these games, and you're going to have you know teams that believe and teams that show up or the ball bounces the wrong way. I think there's going to be a little bit more parity than some people think. Um, so I, I'm, I'm excited for that element of it. It's not going to be March Madness. It's not going to be that. But I do think you're going to see a Cinderella team at some point in time make a little bit of a run. And, again, just looking at some of these matchups, I want to hit some with you. Um, Tennessee plays Kansas State in the 8-9 game. Now, I realize uh, Tennessee's quarterback is hurt. Let's pretend in this fantasy world he's healthy. (laughs) The winner of that game plays Georgia, okay? Yeah. So there's a rematch there. Tennessee, remember how they were just putting up, you know, 50, 60 points. That would have been a fascinating matchup. But here's the other thing that I wanted to ask you about, Dusty, is I literally this weekend had somebody say to me, gee, the other thing we know when you have a 12-team playoff, at least there will not be any controversy between number 12 and number 13. Guess again. Yeah. Looking at this year's rankings, it's really not going to be a question between 12 and 13. It's going to be between 11 
and 13. Because that group of five team, Tulane, was ranked like 16th or 17th, something like that. 16th. They're in the playoff. But what you have is 10-2, and two, Penn State. Scary. They went into this uh, conference championship week ranked 8th, safely in this 12-team playoff. They finished 11th, which was actually the last playoff spot. Washington was also 10-2. and two. If you're a Washington fan, how good do you feel? Man, I mean, that, that you barely held on, you mean? No, that you didn't make it. I mean, oh, you're, you you're ranked 12th, but you wouldn't make it. <laughs> you you yeah. would be eliminated, and you're a two-loss team. You're the one, I think, the one Power 5 team that's a two-loss team that didn't make it. Yeah, and I think... It's gonna be it's gonna sting bad in some in some situations. And you know, it's not that you avoid controversy. You just kick the can down the road a little bit. And I think the controversy between, you know, eleven and twelve or twelve and thirteen or whoever gets in, um, it, it's it should feel a little bit less significant than the controversy between four and five. But I don't know if that's always going to be the case. I don't know if there's a, there's going to be some some gripes involved in in that process too, and, and maybe it's going to sting more to be the first team out of the twelve. Well, we have in this situation this year with the four teams, you know, you had four teams with zero losses or one loss, pretty good line of demarcation. This year, if it were a twelve-team playoff. Washington is the only team with two losses from Power 5 that wouldn't make it. Not too bad. So it looks like a two-loss team will be that line of demarcation. The other thing that would be helpful, you mentioned Purdue upsets Michigan. They have four losses. They could would get into the playoffs. Well, conferences getting rid of their divisions should put and yeah. end to anything really bad where a 7 and 5 team sneaks into the playoffs like from the Big 10 West but you still have the Big 12 already is without a division and their top 2 teams one of them was Kansas State with 3 losses so guess what Kansas State is in with their 3 losses Washington with their 2 losses is out yeah, and, and this is the interesting thing. So the, the way that they structured the playoffs, so the, only the, the top four of the Power Five champs get a seed, get a top four seed, that's good and it helps minimize some of that impact. But if you have a conference championship game still, you know, that, and that's the thing. Like if the Big 12 were just to say the top team standing in the end, um, Without a conference championship game, you're going to probably have your best team rise to the top of those standings. But if you open it up to the, the top one and the top two teams to play for the conference championship, then you have a little bit more leeway for some chaos to happen j- just like this. So that's going to be the interesting thing, I think, going forward is that, okay, doing away with divisions, that's good. That's the first step. But I think the the idea of conference championship games might get a little closer examination too because it does open up a team that maybe isn't deserving gets that one sort of desperation attempt to to get in and 
does that team with a three with three losses is is Kansas State better than Washington? You know, like and so I I think you know the idea of divisions and the idea of conference title games will be something that's examined going forward. It'll just be interesting to see if those changes are made uh, before the first twelve team playoff is played. And we would be remiss here, Dusty, if we didn't mention the twelve team playoff was set. To worst case start in 26. They were trying to get it started in 24. The holdup to all this was our buddies at the Rose Bowl who were insisting New Year's Day, 5 o'clock, that's our window. Adjust your schedule to us to make that happen. Well, finally, logic prevailed, which is Rose Bowl, you have no leverage at all. Zero. If you're going to hold us up and not let us do this two years, and lose half a billion dollars, guess what? You're not going to be part of things going forward. So the Rose Bowl did concede on that. So we are going to get the 12-team playoff starting in 24. I think that's good news for everybody. Yeah, and these, and these bowl games the, and the brands and stuff like that, they still get to be a part of it. Uh, so it's like the best of both worlds for for all those guys involved. So, yeah, it was good to see them back down. I didn't expect anything different in that situation because, as you said, you know, what leverage do you have here? Like, change is coming. And here's the, the one kind of overarching thing I would say is that change was coming for college football. You know, you either grow or you die, and I believe in that. But, you know, I think it just has to be said that how you are making change and why you're making change is what's worth examining. And in this case, no question about it. There's hundreds of people who have to make budgets and there's hundreds of high paid people who want as much money as possible. Money's driving this train. Is it taking college football in a good direction or not? I believe it's going in a good direction, but the motivation for change is suspect when it comes to the the quality of the sport. I think it's a good thing, Dustin. And the other thing we hadn't mentioned yet, which I always will, is at least the first round, there's going to be home games. Going to play these games on college campuses, which I think is fantastic. What's not fantastic, Dustin, is we're out of time. That's it for our show. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. The Nittany Lions are headed to Pasadena for the Rose Bowl, and you can join them. Collegiate Athletic Travel is offering a three-night charter air package flying from Harrisburg. Hotel accommodation at Lowe's Hollywood Hotel. Pep Rally transfers. Rose Bowl Parade tickets and transfer. Here's your chance to attend the Rose Bowl and let Collegiate Athletic Travel do all the work. Go to athletictravel.com or call 814-238-4987. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. 
truststatecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. 